on, let's welcome Chapel and Scott's edition. We love you guys, we love you, we love you. Hey, do me a favor, turn to somebody next to you and tell them you look good. Come on, tell them you look good. Well, good morning, everybody. I add my welcome to the one that's been given, and uh, if you're new here, we're one church in a couple of different locations, and we're in a series. We started last week called Power for Today, and uh, I'll tell you more about that in just a second, but love to look in the camera and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. Love what God's doing in the city. Amazed what God's doing in our church in the city. 9.30, good morning, and of course, Chesterfield County Jail, Virginia Department of Corrections. You're not a project to us. You're our people, and so thank you uh, so much for being with us. And chapel in the lobby, come on wave at me a little. Come on. Love you guys. You look amazing back there and uh, glad you're here today. Uh, let me just give you one little update here at the 930 in Midlothian. We are moving our 815 service to 8 a.m. in Midlothian uh, to make some space. So I know there's a little bit of a log jam going like this on the way in and out. And so that will mean we'll have a little bit of extra space that's coming in two weeks. And I'm really excited that weekend we're going to have um, a Pastor Choco de Jesus with us. And he was uh, one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in America a couple of years ago. Pastors, the largest uh, uh, Latino church in U.S. history. And uh, I can't wait to order him a coffee, Choco de Jesus. I'm just going to give the last name because I want to hear the barista say coffee for Jesus. Come on, somebody. <laughs> And uh, But you're going to love him in two weeks. We're so honored to have Choco de Jesus. You can look him up online. Great, great message with us. Um, great leader pouring into our team and our church that day. So you're not going to want to miss that. Well, how's everybody doing today? Good? Man, I love you. And I'm, th I'm thankful for you as a church. I, I don't tell you enough how, how much I love you, how much I'm thankful for you, how much we think about you and pray for you and believe God with you for your lives. You're the most amazing church there is. And uh, nobody thinks about you more than maybe your mom. But uh, other than that, it's us. And so I just want to say how much we love you. And we're going to talk today, in fact, about uh, what a church should be. And and from the book of Acts, uh, once the Holy Spirit was poured out in chapter 1, chapter 2 describes the early church. And so we're going to talk about that today. And if you missed uh, last week was week 1, we were just reminding ourselves that God has given us power to do this thing called life. How many know that's true, right? And we talked about how sometimes we can get stuck or stagnant. Or, and, and God's given his, not only his son on the cross to deal with our sin, but his Holy Spirit to empower us to live out this thing called the Christian life. And so we're spending this month in the book of Acts, which is the story of the early church and in all of its wonderful power and all of its messiness. How many know the church is wonderful because God's presence is there and it's, and it's complicated because people are there? Come on, right? And somebody said, well, no, no, no. It's, it, how do I join an imperfect church? Well, that's why you should join because you're imperfect too. I know, I know somebody's like, if I come to the chapel, pastor, will I ever get my feelings hurt? Or ever? Sure. <laughs> totally, yeah. I mean, I think we have a healthy culture as a church. But how many know there's no perfect church because there's no perfect people? And thank God for that or you wouldn't be here today. Come on, because you'd mess it up. And, uh, and so, but, but the book of Acts is the story of how God built the early church and what God did in them. And I want to give you uh, four things that was true in the early church. It should be true in our lives. What does it look like when a church is committed to the mission of God? Acts chapter two has that. It really lays out with clarity 
um, um, not just our vision as a church, but the vision of the early church. So it's made with, uh, with ruthless simplicity what God wants us to do. And so, so hopefully we're going to live this thing out. How many know the answer sometimes isn't knowing what it was, it's living it out, right? And I think we made this thing so complicated in the U.S. in church life. And, you know, you know, churches, how, what's your style of worship and what songs do you sing? And how do you dress and what are the rules and what are the classes and, and how's it go? You know, and, and all this kind of stuff. But, but how many know it's about Jesus and his plan and purpose, right? And I think we can almost <coughs> um, complicate things in our Western culture. And, and I want to bring us back to the simplicity of what, of what God has for us. Here's the first thing I see in the early church. If you're taking notes, uh, write this down. If you're not taking notes, ready? Write this down. Here we go. Uh, is, come on, say it with me. Vibrant what? Vibrant worship. And we see this throughout the book of Acts that the church gathered and they worshiped and they worshiped and they saw God's house as a house of God and a worship place for God. In fact, when you go to a concert, you watch someone else sing. How many know when you go to church, you join in? Come on. In fact, think about it. There's not many places in the world anymore that there really is corporate singing. I mean, concerts, you can go and observe it or media, but there's something, there's something special about gathering and together worshiping God. I love church. I love to worship with, with you all. And it's not just about songs or style. How many know it's about the presence of God, right? In fact, in Genesis, I love this. The Bible says, then Jacob awoke from his sleep. He had this picture of God and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. How many of you, that's your prayer for our church? I mean, hey, I want more than a good plan and a good logo and a good talk. I want to meet with God when I come to church. And and I love it. He says, surely the Lord is in this place. I wasn't even aware of it, but he's also afraid. And he said, what an awesome place this is. It's none other. I love this than the what? The house of God. I love this. The very, these words have hit me all week. The very what? Gateway of heaven. How many know that's what happens in worship? Heaven touches earth. Battles are fought, marriages are healed, uh, lives are transformed in God's presence. Anybody believe that? A place of worship. And that was the early church. They gathered and they worshiped God. And that's what we do as a church. We gather and worship God. I'll never forget in um, 2001, one of the most vivid pictures of worship I had ever seen in my life happened when I went to my first Alabama Crimson Tide football game. I watched grown-up people. I watched little people and big people, grown-up people, dressed-up people. I watched women with all their makeup right, cursing and screaming. You know what I mean? And I, I said, I've never seen anything like this. You know, I mean, I mean, you had guys there with their chest painted and, and people hollering with foam fingers, and they and they showed up early and they tailgated and they and they and they. I'm just telling you, you might call it a football game. I think it was a tabernacle of worship. And I'm just telling you, maybe you're new around here, but that's one of the reasons we express our worship to God because it's more than just a handful of teenagers on a field competing over a ball. It's a God who set us free and transformed us and liberated us. Anybody with me today? We come to worship, right? That you say, Pastor, why do we worship the way we do with clapping and well, like raising our hands? And, and we do that because that's what we see in the Bible. In fact, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, right? In fact, Isaiah said that in creation, creation's so amazed of God that it actually says the trees of the field clap their hands. Can you believe that? Did you know that creation worships God? 
in the way it just it, it grows and develops and declares the splendor of God. And so we clap our hands because it's in the Bible. We raise our hands. Maybe you're new here. You say, I've never been to a church where people raise their hands. Does somebody have a question? Why are they raising their hand? And because the Bible says, I want people everywhere, First Timothy, to lift up holy hands. It says in Psalms, I want us to lift up holy. It's just a way of saying, God, what I feel on the inside of me, I'm doing on the outside, right? I'm, I'm lifting my hands as a sign of surrender and worship and adoration to him. It's a, it's a, the Bible says uh, to make music with the, with the cymbal and the lyre and the tambourine and, and the dancing, okay? You know, we got a phrase around here, move your feet, you know, but stay in your seat. You know what I mean? Like a little dancing, it's okay, you know, you run around too much I don't know uh, but you know but here's the point we are we are here to do more than just spectate we are here to participate in the great uh, and awesome task of making worship and praise rise to the throne of God anybody say amen to that like that's what the early church had they were a church with vibrant worship and that's what we want to be we want to be a people that gathers to worship God in fact the Bible describes them in Acts 2 and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Not only did did they have vibrant worship, but vibrant worship prioritized uh, the believers devoting themselves, look at this, to the apostles, what? Teaching, vibrant worship prioritizes, say it with me, solid what? How many know we need to be taught the word of God? Okay, and I see this in the early church. Not only did they gather to worship, but they gathered and prioritized the word of God. If you're new at the chapel today, you need to know every sermon comes out of the word of God. We aren't studying the, the New York Times trying to figure out what to preach on or the National Enquirer, thank God. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're just opening the book of God and trying to tell the people of God how to, how, to, how to live out the will of God. In fact, I've heard preachers say it's so hard to come up with a sermon. It is if you're not opening the Bible, but when you open the Bible, it's kind of like right there, you know? In fact, my, all my big four points today all come from Acts chapter 2, verses 13 to 47. Just what did the early church do and how do I figure out how to tell it? And what's the story? Because we need to be a church on, built on God's word. In fact, Paul says, Romans 10, so faith comes by hearing, come on somebody, and hearing by the? Hey, we are a church that sits under the authority of God's word. We're a church that prioritizes the teaching and preaching of God's word. God has chosen to reveal himself in a word. Somebody are, some people are looking for a voice. They need to start looking for a verse. You know what I mean? Like, like God's already said it. He wrote it down. How many know uh, Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every what? Word that comes out of the mouth of God. We need to be a church that's committed to God's word. And, uh, you know, a lot of churches in the world are, are you know, getting squishy on this and Maybe, maybe the culture's change and maybe that verse isn't for us today and maybe we should cut it out. And, uh, but, but how many know we got to let God's word be God's word? In fact, we have to make a decision when we read something in the Bible we don't like. Am I going to try to change the Bible or am I going to let the Bible change me? I don't know about you, but sometimes I read verses in the Bible I don't like. Come on, be quick to listen and slow to speak. I don't like that one but the fruit of the spirit is patience. Come on, somebody. I wish it said efficiency and <laughs> drivenness and perform, but the fruit of the spirit is efficient driving. If that, I would love it if that was in the Bible. Like get out of the left lane and let those of us making the most of our time 
for the glory of God. Come on, I'm just saying, if you're in the left lane, you need to pass somebody or be moving faster than the rest of anybody. And and everyone who just clapped, you see how much you have to change. (laughs) Preferring one another in love. Come on, somebody. I was at a four-way stop the other day with Katie, and I came to a stop first, and I started to go, and she's like, it's not your turn. And I was like, if I'm stopped before they're stopped, it's my turn, because I'll be stopping 20 feet back, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm next, baby. You know, you give me a window, I'm moving. I'm just telling you. That's why I have a chapel sticker on the side of my car, not the back, because we don't need advertisement like that. And so what do I do when I read a verse on patience? I can either say, well, that's not true, or I can, and I'm just telling you, we need to be a church built on God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to sound doctrine, to biblical, to biblical truth. How many know we need to be a church committed to God's word, right? And not only were they committed to God's word, but they were committed to fellowship, and, and they shared meals together, including the Lord's Supper and prayer. Vibrant worship not, our, not only prioritizes healthy teaching, but, uh, but it's true that vibrant worship values interaction with other believers believers. How many know we need one another? (laughs) Hey, we need one another. Like we need each other. The word fellowship in the New Testament Greek word is koinonia, meaning to share something in common with other believers. In fact, Jesus, even when he taught us to pray, he taught us to pray in the context of community, didn't he? He said, pray our father in heaven, not my father in heaven, right? And pray, pray, give us this daily bread, not give me my daily bread. Forgive us, lead us. Here's what he's doing. He's teaching us that our life is meant to be lived in community. How many know we were made for one another, right? And, and you say, but people are annoying. I know it. I get it. Like I get it. People are complex. I get it. But how many know isolation is what leads to destruction, Right? And God has created us for community. How, how many know we learned that a couple years ago when the world shut down, that being isolated is no good, right? Mental health issues, struggle, all that went up, went up, went up. Remember when the world shut down for a week and we thought, good, family time, you know? Three weeks in, you're like, I'm gonna kill these kids. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, there's nothing like, there's nothing our team standing up leading worship to a camera and preaching and the cameraman's just like, We're like, man, I need some people in here, you know. In fact, I don't even know if you know how we reopened after COVID. We didn't even make a plan to reopen. We just were recording services and people found out what time and they started coming in to church. And we were like, this isn't a service. And they're like, we heard, we we found out what time you record. So we need to see some people. And all of a sudden I was like, well, it's good to see you too. And I forget, remember we did drive-through communion. We were dropping, we're just pushing communion in the little window of cars. And people were crying like, this is the greatest day of my life. And I was like. Keep it moving, Gail. You know what I mean? Like I. Like, how is this amazing? Because we were made for connection. We were made for one another. We were made for community. Come on, somebody. That's why people drink at the bar and not at home because they, they, just, they just, I'm not saying from experience. I'm saying that's what I observe. <laughs> don't look at me like that. I don't do that, I promise. 
How many know we were made for one another, right? In fact, Paul says this, all together you are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. We're made for community and groups and connection and the early church was committed to teaching and they were committed to one another. And I love this, and they were committed, somebody say it with me, into what? Prayer. Vibrant worship, just write this down, prioritizes what? Prayer. In fact, we do this twice a year, 21 days of prayer every morning, Monday to Friday, Saturday, just 21 days of prayer. Every Sunday in a prayer room, uh, 8 a.m. in this building is a group of people praying over the service. How many know God responds in answer to prayer, right? Some of you are in this room. Some of you, Scott's edition, are in that room because of a grandmother's prayer or a mother's prayer, an aunt's prayer. Or dad, like you're, you're, it, it, there aren't human explanations for what God did. How many know God hears and God answers prayer, right? We need to be a church that prays. And the amazing thing that happened was the, 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 something happened that a church that, that prioritized worship this way, just look at it here. It says, and a deep sense of, come on, a deep sense of awe, I love this, came over them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. A deep sense of awe. What's awe? It's astonishment, amazement, overwhelmed. It's a sense of like, wow, what is God? I just had this sense that some of us have lost our sense of awe. And we need to be reminded of a sense of of awe. In fact, the psalmist talks about in the Old Testament when the people of God were entering, travel, traveling in the wilderness, they, they, they lost their sense of awe. Uh, um, and they said they even spoke against God himself saying, God can't give us food in the wilderness. He can strike a rock so water gushes out, but he can't give his people bread. I could teach on that for a minute. Imagine Moses hits a rock and water starts coming out and people are like, big deal. You, I don't see no bread. Like, are for real? I feel like that's a solid lead-in, you know? And the Lord heard them. And look at this. How does God feel towards people who don't have a sense of wonder? He was furious. And the fire of his wrath burned against them. And his anger rose against them. For they did not believe God or trust him to care for them. How many times have we got into a place where we've lost a sense of awe? Or you could put it this way. Maybe just write this down. I think this is helpful. It's better off, we're better off to celebrate than to evaluate. Have you ever met critical people? I gotta tell you, I went through a phase in Bible college of becoming a very critical person. When I finished my freshman year of Bible college, I knew everything. I knew why all the pastors were getting it wrong. I knew why they hermeneutically got it. I, I, I went to chapel every day and I kind of sat there with my Bible and my pen and I figured out why that pastor got it wrong and why I would get it right. No, no, no. And I just, I was a Bible fathead. Do you know what that, like I had, I'd learned a few things and it turned my heart from being soft towards God to critical towards God and other people. Have you ever met the Christian policemen? Come on, somebody. Now, I don't mean the Christian policemen that work here, that we're... Come on, let's honor law enforcement today. Thankful for you. Yeah. 
I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about someone who takes it upon themselves to judge the thoughts, intentions, and actions of all of humanity. I want to be a church that is a sense of awe, not a critical church, right? I want to be a church. Yes, we're standing on God's word. We just talked about this. But we don't have a critical spirit to the world around us, okay? In fact, as the great theologian Denzel Washington said, (laughs) small minds discuss other people. Did you know that? They criticize other people, gossip. Good minds discuss events. Great minds discuss ideas. I'm just saying it takes no particular talent to complain, to criticize, to have a problem with everywhere, everything. We need, I'm just saying I think we need to regain a sense of awe in the world, right? A sense of wonder, a sense of amazement. How many know when you have that little kid and you go like this, boo? Wow. Do it again. You know what I mean? I've never walked up to an adult so watch this. Boo. They're like, if you could just run that back one more time. <laughs> Why? Because if we're not careful as we get older, our souls grow critical. Our spirits grow, grow cynical. There gets to be a, we've lost a sense of awe. I'm telling you, God moves in an atmosphere of awe. Anybody have a reason to be grateful and thankful today, right? Like, but we've lost a sense of awe and wonder, and the church had a sense of awe. And it's amazing. The Bible says, and all the believers met together in one place. And look how generous they were. They shared everything they had. In fact, they sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those who were in need. I love that they they not only had a sense of of awe, but they had a sense of compassionate concern for the needs around us. How many know when Jesus changes our heart, we ought to be concerned about the needs around us, right? And we ought to have a sense of compassion. Now, let me just pause for a second because some Christians have taken this verse in the past and have tried to create a political system or structure of socialism around it. So they've said, we should all sell our houses and all sell our property and dump it in one big pot and then give everybody the same thing. And uh, I'm not here to talk about politics, but that's wrong. And... uh, so let me just show you why, okay? And I know I'm getting close to the line, but I just, I just want to show you. I just, I just, they broke bread in their what? Come on, home. So they still owned homes. So the people who think that the Bible espouses socialism should read it. And uh, I'm just saying, I'm going to leave it there. But uh, okay, I don't need to say any more. If you want to get my politics, you buy me a cup of coffee. I'll tell you how to vote. And uh, that's, we're not going to do that here, okay? Uh, But here's what I'm saying. They did have a sense of concern for one another. How many know to love somebody is to be concerned with their need, right? To have compassion for their situation. To have compassion for what they're going through. In fact, the Bible says to say, I love you and I'm praying for you, but not to meet somebody in their need is to not even have love and care for them. We ought to be a church that cares for the needs of other people, right? In fact, do you know this summer we're bringing back like like stronger than we ever have something we're calling serve day. Come on, say serve day. It's one day we're going to change. We're going to ask our city, our county leaders, what do you need? We'll do it. We'll paint. We'll paint. We'll put things together. We'll fix things up. We're going to, we're going to blitz our community with, with to- dozens of projects all over this community to make a dip. We're going to give one day and say it's not just about the church gathering on a Sunday to worship, but gathering on a Saturday to sweat together. Come on, somebody. We're doing it July 15th. And, uh, uh, and, and we're going to make a difference. We're going we're gonna to make a difference in the community around you. Like you heard KJ say, a painful situation, even in the high school over there, James River this week, and just, just simple Chick-fil-A, just, just saying, hey, we're just praying for you. We're just in your court. We, we want to not only be the church that prays for you, but come on, somebody that drops off Jesus' chicken at Chick-fil-A for you. you know. 
How many know to, to, to say you love someone but not do something about it, it lacks a heart, you know? In fact, you know at this church, because of your generosity, every month over 70 missionaries and missions partners are, are supported. In fact, you know every month uh, we have a benevolence uh, ministry that blesses the needs of people that go through things. In fact, last spring there was a single mom who uh, was between jobs and couldn't afford rent, $1,400 one month. And so we said, we'll cover the rent for this month. And we were in our Christmas mission focus and she brought us a, a $1,400 check. And she said, I want to put I want to put this back in the benevolence fund. Oh, I know that for her, that was, a, that, was big, that, was, that was big. And I said, no, you don't have to do that. And she said, no, 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 no. When I couldn't pay my rent, you, the church did this. So I just, want to, I just want that to be there for the next person that can't pay their rent to, to make a difference in their life. I'm just saying it's compassionate concern. It's generosity. It's saying, I'll do more than pray for you. I'll be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I just want to pause. I'm not asking for anything from you today. I just want to thank you because of your radical generosity. We can say yes to the needs in the community around us. A couple of our leaders were just in a, in a prison the other day and they're like, we need socks. And we're like, just go buy, I don't know how many John socks we're going to buy, like a lot of socks. And, and just like, like, aren't you just grateful to not only hear the needs of people, but meet the needs of people, right? And, and here's what happened in that culture. The Lord added to their number daily those who were what? Being saved. So not only did they have vibrant worship and, and, a, and a sense of compassion, but write this down. They had, come on, somebody, aggressive what? Evangelism. They were willing to share the message of Jesus with the world around them. And because of that, there were people being saved. I love this about our church, that we exist for more than just ourselves. In fact, the book of Acts starts with about 120 ragtag disciples. And the whole book is, picture if you throw a rock into a pond, you have where the rock hits, and then you have the ripple, right? That's what the book of Acts is. The early church dropped in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth to ultimately Paul's preaching the gospel in Rome. How many know that's our job to reach other people for Jesus? Amen, right? In fact, I've told you before, I don't, does anybody wonder where all the people are gonna move, where are they coming from to live in all these condos they're building? I mean, I was just in Scott's edition the other day, you like take one turn and what was a parking lot is a six story thing. And even in my drive to Midlothian down one little strip of road, there used to be all these trees everywhere and now just, condos, condos, townhome, just everywhere. In fact, the other day, and it's so hypocritical of Katie, but (laughs) she said, who are all these people? And you know, we moved here 11 years ago from New York, and she said, they're probably just a bunch of northerners (laughs) moving down, and they're not chopping down all our trees, and I I I don't want them to chop down all our trees. And I said, you hypocrite. She's like, well, I want to move here, but now I just want, we got enough people here. You know what I mean? I'm just prophesying. Here's what I'm saying today. When I see apartments going up, I've started to think, I wonder who's going to be in there. I wonder who's light. I wonder what's going to go on in their life. I wonder what brokenness. I wonder what heartache. I wonder what pain. I wonder what, come on, come on, somebody. I'm preaching to Katie. And, and here's what I'm No, but here's what I'm saying. The calling of our church is, we've always dreamed of having a church that wasn't just about us, but was about other people, right? In fact, we counted, thank you for participating every year in this Easter survey. We we have the most um, conservative estimate because we didn't even use the other check marks, but just the most conservative estimate so as to not exaggerate on Easter weekend, people who just check box B 
282 people said on Easter weekend at the chapel, I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. Can somebody give God praise this weekend? Because it's about a church that not only meets the needs of us, not only creates groups and ministries and students and all that, but creates spaces for other people to know Jesus. It's why we also prioritize ministry to the next generation. It's why 100 days or so away from motion retreats, students, junior high, senior high, young adults, there'll be probably five, 600 this summer worshiping God over three days so that they can meet and know Jesus. It's why we have three VBSs. Somebody say three. Come on, hold up your hand. Three. The, uh, the morning already filled in, in Midlothian and we still have some spots in Scott's Edition morning. But the team in Midlothian added a PM uh, VBS experience because we knew it would fill right away. It filled in six days. And so that's a, that, because that means we need more workers. But um, uh, you get it. But here's what I'm saying. Here was the point. The point was, uh, how can we make more space? Because we know that most people who were give their life to Jesus, will do it before the age of 18, 80%. So the most missions-focused thing we can do is reach kids and students. Can anybody say amen to that, right? And so, and so this team is working hard to create an evening experience. Just so you know, it's not for you to bring the same kid to the morning or the evening. We ain't trying to do that, you know what I mean? But, but the whole idea is to just make as many space for little kids to know, love, trust, and treasure Jesus, for our students to be in the presence of God where anything can change, and for God to reach people, right? And, that's what I love about the book of Acts. And the Lord added to their number daily. They were just a group of 120 people in a prayer meeting. But what eventually happened was the ripple effect of their witness changed the world. All right, let me give you one more verse. Everybody with me today? Let me give you one more verse. Uh, turn to the person next to you and tell them, wake up. We're almost there. Come on. Let me give you one more verse and then we're done. This verse leading up to it really hit me this week. When the Holy Spirit came on the early church, there was one of two responses by people. There were two responses. Some were amazed and perplexed and asked, what does this mean? That was the right question. Like, man, what's God doing? They had a sense of amazement. Look at this. Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Okay. How many know there will always be critics to the move of God, right? Some of them looked and said, we don't believe that. And I just, I want to ask you a question, Chapel. Which camp are you in today? Because <laughs> I think it's easy for us to be in the camp of criticism <laughs> and lose the camp of amazement and perplex. We need to be amazed again at the faithfulness of God. In fact, you know what I've become convinced of? What starts off in our life as a blessing becomes normal to us. And we're no longer amazed by it anymore. And so oftentimes we're no longer filled with gratitude. I mean, can we just admit in our country we have too much stuff? Come on. Come on, raise your hand if a third of your closet you can't fit in anymore, but you still have it. Come on, just raise your hand. Like just clothes you don't need, you know. Anybody got boxes in your basement or attic? You don't even know what's in them. You can't get rid of them, but you haven't seen them for 10 years, you know. Uh, I think what happens is what was once a blessing, we we become normalized to it and we no longer amazed by it. I felt like God was giving me an encouragement this weekend to tell us, what if we were amazed again? What if we were perplexed again at all the things God's done for us? Katie's parents moved here from Florida the other day, and uh, last month, and uh, my mother-in-law was saying, I can't believe the trees, the green leaves and the trees everywhere in the hills and mountains. 
You know, I know you think Florida's beautiful. How many know the beaches are pretty? The rest of Florida's kind of beat up. You know what I mean? Uh, how many know Florida's like, uh, you know, Miami, Tampa, and Mississippi in between? And uh, so everywhere she goes, my mother's saying, I, I can't believe those trees. And I said, yeah. I said, I can't believe the trees. I said, yeah, okay, I can't. And then yesterday I was driving through a rainy day and I was looking, I said, man, I turned to my son. I said, I can't believe the trees. Can you believe the trees? He's like, yeah, I know, Dad. I was like, no, look how green they are. They're green. They're really green. You could live in central Florida, you know. And, uh, and I, I, you, know what I'm, you know, I don't know the last time I looked and just thought, I can't believe the trees. And I felt like God wanted me to just remind you, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not? How many know we're blessed in this country? How, how many own a car? Come on, raise your hand. All right, do you know, uh, I'm gonna, this is personal question. How many of you own a toilet? Come on, just raise your hand in this room. You own a toilet. That puts you in 5% of the wealthiest, wealthiest people in the world. You know, if some of you own more than one toilet, some of you own two toilets. There's a reason to give God praise today, okay? Like, like this is what I'm saying. We have indoor air conditioning and vehicles and, and, and blessing and jobs and provision and, and, and satellite TV and cell phones. Come on, somebody, and drive through coffee. It used to be you had to get out of your car. Come on, now you can gas up and get great coffee and a sub all in one shop at Wawa. Somebody give praise to God. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, we have so much of this stuff that I think what we've done, we just, I don't even see the amazement anymore. I'm not even perplexed anymore. I'm not even overwhelmed anymore. I just wonder if we need to be reminded how good God has been to us. And I wonder if some of us are in the, no, 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 it's not, and I don't know, and I don't know, and I don't. We're so blessed. Have you seen how many self-storage companies are going up? This is for people who have homes, but not enough place for the stuff they own. I could do an altar call right now. Some of you would come forward, you know. I'm just here to remind us, God has been good to us. First Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that you did not receive? And if you receive it, why do you boast as though you do not? James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights who gives us no shifting shadow with him. There is a reason to be reminded and renewed today. We have a reason to be amazed. We live in a free country, come on, that can worship without fear of somebody bursting in these doors and locking us up. Come on, we have, we have air conditioning. In, in, we have the blessing of God. Come on, drive through Dunkin' Donuts coffee. We have the reason, we have Come on, we have re- anybody thankful for the goodness of God in your life, right? Like faithfulness of God. I just felt when I'm reading through the book of Acts, I keep seeing this word awe, amazed, perplexed, overwhelmed. And I'm just, I'm, I had personal conviction in my own heart. At when have I lost, when have I lost amazement? When have I seen something that's so now common to me that I should be more grateful to the Lord for? And God, forgive me for my lack of gratitude and renew to me, restore, boo, you know, renew to me. Restore to me that every spring the grass grows and the trees fill with green. Every, every, every summer the, the, the sun comes out and beats upon and, and the beauty of nature, the wonder of a sunset. Y'all, I grew up in Syracuse, New York. They haven't had a sunny day since 1963. 
And I'm just telling you, but what happens over time? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I need to be reminded. I'm just reminding us all to forget not all his benefits, who, who forgives all our sins, heals our, all our diseases, redeems our life from the pit, crowns us with loving compassion, right? God, forgive us when we have become um, critical, cynical, judgmental, refresh our spirits, right? That's what a church that's full of the Holy Spirit does. It refreshes our spirit. Listen, I'm, I'm saying this, and we don't have a mean church. We don't have a back, but, we don't have, but I'm just reminding us, let's be a people who are in a fresh way amazed and perplexed. Anybody in the room have a God that's been good to you? You have reason to give thanks and praise to him. So God, we lift a hand. Come on, just lift a hand if that's you. Scott said, God, I lift a hand. I have reason to be thankful. I have a reason to be grateful, oh God. I have a reason to give you praise. I woke up today with air in my lungs, gas in my tank, and and food in my fridge, oh God. A family that loves me, an incredible church family, oh God. We have reason to give thanks and praise. Forgive us, oh God, when we become angry and bitter and cynical and critical. Banish that spirit from us, oh God, and restore to us a sense of childlike wonder <laughs> that we would see the, the grace of our Savior in a brand new way and we'd worship you from a genuine heart, full of thanksgiving, full of gratitude, full of appreciation. Oh, great is your name and greatly to be praised. Oh, God, let thanksgiving pour out of our rooms. God, let it pour out of our church. Would we gather so thankful on the weekends because we're in awe of what you're doing. For we give you praise and glory. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Let's stand together all over this room.